a lot of times when we're making those assumptions, um, we don't assume the best intentions and we don't assume people are going to pay their way and we don't assume a lot of those things. So that's a that's a really big danger thing is when we get into that assuming. And now. <laughs> I'm the captain now. <laughs> Coming to you from the K2 studios in San Diego, California. This sounds great. You sound amazing. I always sound amazing. It's the world famous. Everybody sitting off like BFS. Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening? How are you doing today? Thank you so much for being here. And I am Chris. And I'm Christine. And welcome to episode 184 of the Chris and Christine Show. Do, 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 do. We fantastic coming to you live on a Sunday. We are. We're creeping up on episode 200 pretty quick here. I think it's going to be in the next couple of months that we're going to get there. Yeah. Are we going to have a celebration? Of course we are. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. I have nothing planned. 200 episodes of torture. Of torture? Who are you getting tortured? Are you? Am I torturing you? Yes. Podcast torture. Oh my goodness. Because podcasting, Chris, is a whole different level of seriousness from everyday Chris. Please explain. What do you mean? I, it's like, you know, you transform into this, like, we've got to do this right now, blah, 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 blah. I don't talk like that. You're right. You don't. No, I don't. Sometimes you do. Um, Yes. When it comes to podcasting, you can never get enough. I just can't. I just love this whole medium. I just love doing this. I love being here for you, the listener. I just love sharing my wonderful love and joy out to the world. Okay. Now tell everybody, how many times a week do you listen to your own episodes? Um, well, I always got to make sure that they sound good. I mean, so, other than the one time that you should listen for quality control, how many times do you listen per week? Uh, well, I do like to listen to your voice a lot. So <laughs> what I do- like you're, you're just glossing over it. How many times? Straight a, answer. A few, a few. I, I do mean like only a few, not like a lot, but like just a few. In your mind is a few three or is a few 10? No, it's not like 10, like probably a couple, maybe like- Okay. It Couple depends. is two. It depends on how long the episode is. If we do uh-huh. like a really, really long episode, I may only have time to listen to that one time through. Like our last one was our longest episode we ever done, like mm-hmm. ever recorded in the history of the Chris Christine show. The okay. longest ever. So I only listened to that so one. So you listened to that one only three times. <laughs> <laughs> I only listened to that one actually one full time. Okay. But not at one sitting. It was all done like broken up over yep. the course of a you know, few days or whatever. But usually if they're a super short episode, I mean, listen to it, you know, two, three, four times-ish, you know? Uh-huh. Like the one you and I did on the Podtastic Audio episode, I listened like four times. Yeah, I know you did. I think you listened to it more than four. Well, I just love hearing your voice. No, you just loved our dynamic, didn't Well, that you? too. That is very true. We Do had- you love our dynamic that we have together? I think it's wonderful and I do enjoy it so much. It's like what I really look forward to about podcasting is being here with you and talking and getting to hang out. And You like Starkey, Christine, don't you? I, I do believe I do. <laughs> I'm used to that kind of stuff with my previous dating you know, profiles of women I've had to go through. Uh, the snark is what really, you know, I'm drawn to. Oh my word. Why did you have to go there right now? <sighs> this is okay. We were doing okay. We were doing okay. Until car you had to, yep. Until you had to bring up other ladies. You're just, you're a glutton for punishment. See, this is the thing that a lot of people don't realize about you is you are more comfortable with mean 
than you are Wait, with nice. Explain. I'm more comfortable with people being mean to me. Yeah, you just explained it yourself. So when someone's nice to me, I'm like, it's very foreign to you. Yeah, who who are you? What are You're you doing like, here? What is this? Why? Like, where did this come from? Why are you being so nice to me? And you're like, what what is happening right now? It's this is absolutely the truth. Yeah, I guess it's. Uh, I wonder if it's true for a lot of people. No, just just, <laughs> just me. T- tra- traumatized, scarred little koala bears like you. Oh, I call me a koala bear because they're so cute. No, koalas are vicious. They are. Yes, the people think they're cute until you get close to them, and then they're vicious. They like They'll a- scratch your eyes out. Really? They'll bite you. They have like sharp teeth. Yes. Really? And they have sharp claws. No way. Yeah. People think they're sweet because what actually happens is eucalyptus yeah. is, um, it's like weed for koalas. No way they get high off that yes, stuff? Yes, they do. No way. So they're in like this euphoric state and that's why they sleep so much is it's like totally buzzing them out. And so they'll sleep for hours and hours a day. But if you agitate a koala, it's, I mean, it doesn't happen a lot, but that's why you're not supposed to handle them is because people think they're docile creatures. They are not. Koalas you know, are see, crazy. I can see using a koala bear as maybe like a Trojan horse for like your enemy. Like, hey, I got you a little gift. We're, we're, we're cool now, right? Oh, so cute. And the thing's like scratching. Yeah. scratches your face off. Basically, yeah. So you, you are more comfortable with koalas. Things that look <laughs> cute on the outside, but really destroy you. So are you more cute with alligators like me? <laughs> It's rough on the outside. Bite you. <laughs> what you're saying is I'm attracted to scaly creatures that can like disembowel you. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. But, but you Leave know. you for dead, but don't actually like the taste of you. Oh, okay. Because well. I mean, that's what happens with alligators. Did you know that they can't actually eat a person because our salt content is too high? It would actually kill them. You know what? People can't eat 12 packs of donuts too, but they try. They try. Exactly. They try and fail, which is why you'll find people that have been, I mean, this, this, this episode is already off to such a great start. You'll find people that have been mauled by an alligator, but not actually consumed. That's crazy. I Mm -hmm. hate to have that happen. I heard a guy the other day on the news, that got mauled to death by pit bulls. (gasps) <gasps> and I don't think I just glanced at the story. Oh my gosh, so I it's so tragic. I didn't know either he was the owner of the dogs or maybe the neighbor of the dogs or something along those lines. But it was actually caught on film by the by the news, by the helicopter in the sky. I in the sky actually caught the whole event happening. What? And I don't know if he's being chased by cops. See, I didn't read all the details. So this is just like literally just like little bits and pieces of the story. So this is like a typical Chris story right here <laughs> is he'll come out and he'll be like, babe, babe. Somebody got is shot by a grizzly bear in their backyard. <laughs> and I'm like, what? I need I need the backstory on this. And you're like, well, actually, it was a you know, group of five men that were dressed up as a grizzly bear who were trying to evade the law and came through the tunnels as a Mexican cartel. <laughs> this is a Chris. Why, why is a cartel can play for everything? <laughs> This is a typical Chris story right here. You have to make a documentary on Netflix. So yeah, It's absolutely. coming out tomorrow. It's called Grizzly. <laughs> it's called Grizzly. <laughs> Grizzly cocaine bear. <laughs> well, uh, this episode is off to a great start already. Definitely a fun-filled start. But uh, before we go any further, uh, has anything exciting been happening in your life over the last seven days? Well, thanks for asking, by the way. Absolutely 
Not that I can think of. <laughs> I mean, in fact, you can make anything exciting, though. I know. Check this out. I actually went and took Jacob to football practice today. So, oh. so what I did was is that he has practice today. Of recording this, it's Sunday, and Sunday is like the day of rest. So they said I read in the Bible that it was a day of rest. So it I always is. said Sunday is a day to chill out. But no, we got football practice at 8 a.m. in the morning. 8.30. 8.30 in the morning, which means I got to wake up early. Uh, but I well, 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 back, back, but, back, back up. But, no, back up to what? Back up. Normally, I take him to football practice, but because somebody was being a turkey to me last night, a turkey, like a meanie, meanie panini. The koala bear. Yes. Uh, a vicious grizzly, grizzly wall bear. Uh, your sentence that you had to serve was doing the driving in the first part of the morning to football practice. And last night I said, what time should I set my alarm on my, on my phone to wake up? And you said, you don't need to set an alarm because you're no, going to- that was on Saturday. Because you're going to wake up with the with the oh, clover. Oh, yes, I did with say clover, that. And clover is going to be your alarm clock and she'll wake up right at six o'clock in the morning. And sure enough, little clover bear got up at 6 a.m. and said, hey, dad, let's get up and take me downstairs to go potty. And I yes. said, fine, whatever. So I'm up at six in the morning, 6.30, and I'm literally on the couch- just zoning out, just flicking through my phone, social media, whatever, just kind of zombie out mode. And then I go tell Jacob, no, hey. And then you run upstairs. Yeah, I run upstairs and tell Jacob, run hey, upstairs. we got to get going for your for football today. Yeah. So here's how it happens. I'm in bed, my one day to sleep in, because the other five days of the week, I take Clover downstairs. You take her down on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, so I'm, I'm resting, I'm resting up. And all of a sudden you tear into our bedroom frantically grabbing your keys and your shoes. And I'm like, what time is it? And I hear you go and tell Jacob that, wake up, Jacob, wake up, wake up. You got to get ready for football. For, for, for football. We got to go and like, right, like right now. And I'm like, what the heck? No, I didn't say that. None of this is true. Well, it's, it sounded like that. <laughs> oh, it sounded like that. It did sound like that very close. And I look at my clock and it's 724. And I'm like, WTF? Like what is happening right now? And- I, All you need to worry about is just go back to beauty sleep because I got, the, I'm handling this. So I I'm get taking up, care of this. I get up and I come downstairs. And as I come downstairs, you drop a bowl and shatter it all over the kitchen floor. And then I hear all of the Chris language that flies around like little gnats. And I was like, I don't care about that bowl. It's not a big deal. And you were like, well, I've got to clean this up because I have to leave in three minutes. And I'm like, it's 732. Yeah, I've got to take Jacob to football. I was like, no, you don't yet. Yeah, yeah, I've got to take him. i got to take him. And I was like, no, it's not until 8.30. And then you were like, what? Well, I took care of everything. I swept up the bowl, cleaned all the bits and pieces with the broom, and I cleaned the kitchen, and I put them all in the trash, and I took care of that disaster. And Made us coffee, mm -hmm. so we were able to drink our coffee like we normally do, although we were in a little bit of a rush because I had to take Jacob to football practice. This is true. At 8.30 at the high school. His brand new high school he's going to be going into next year. Yeah. So every Sat Sunday morning so far, I don't want to say change the dates on us, Sunday mornings they do a football practice. It's an extracurricular practice squad, not part of the high school, but it's some kind of youth group thing or something and they do it 
there with uh, not just high school kids, but they also said he had younger kids. Yeah, they there. had Pop Warner there too. Right. So it's basically going over the fundamentals of football, the game, I'm sure. I wasn't there for the whole practice. So basically what all I do is in my pajamas, I drive them over there and I drop them off and I say, Jacob, give me a call or text whenever you want me to pick you up. Great. Yep. So you're starting to get into the rhythm of being a sports dad. But you know what's interesting is our weekends are starting to get taken up by sports a lot. So we have Friday evening baseball practice for Mason. And then starting here in two weeks, he'll have opening day. So we'll have Saturday morning games and then Sunday morning football for Jacob. So pretty quick here, we're going to get into the swing of balancing multiple sports, which, you know, I've already been there and done that with Ezekiel. So I was kind of thinking that maybe our kids wouldn't get into football so much and maybe we'd actually. It was Ezekiel in the the youth sports, like Little League? Yeah, and soccer. Oh, okay. Nice, Nice. Yeah. I mean, he had soccer. So he did Little League for a couple of years and then he did soccer um, for a couple of years. And then when he was in high school, he did water polo. And then when he was in middle school, he did track and he was a drummer. So we would have parades and things like that when he was on the drum line. And so like I've been there, done all of that stuff. So I thought like, you know, my kid, my oldest is raised and I thought, well, maybe you and their mom would figure out how to balance all of this stuff. But nope, Christine what? to the rescue yet again. Well, hero of the day. Let I me guess. tell you. So what I had to do to go pick up Jacob back over there this morning, a couple hours later, a couple hours go by and he gets the call and says, dad, I'm ready to be picked up. Okay, cool. Are you being picked up at the gym area or the weight room area? Or are you being picked up at the field area? Oh, back at the field where he dropped me off. Great, Jacob. I'll be right there over there. I'll head over there. And then I said, hey, Mason, you want to tag along? Yeah, fine, whatever. No, so Mason, I asked Mason. Well, the, but it's, it's not here there. So Mason jumps in the car. We go over there, and I pull up in front of the field. Now, from where the kids are practicing, from where you park, it's not like a parking lot. You park on the street, and then there's like a little, uh, the field's kind of elevated a little bit. So you kind of go up this little walkway, and you can see the kids, but they can barely see you. So I'm calling Jacob's phone, blowing his phone. I called him like four times. Oh, I didn't know this part of the story. And he did not answer. He didn't answer. I said, Mason, call Jacob. So he, I park in front. I'm shut, shut the truck off, you know, at this point. And, and I told Mason, go over there, like towards the grass by the field and like wave him down. Like, get but up Mason over. went barefoot. Exactly. He went barefoot. And I'm in my pajamas. So I wasn't even dressed. <laughs> I did not know this so part of the story. I am like, well, Mason, you just go over there on the, on the sidewalk part and just go wave him down. No, I don't have any shoes on. I said, but Mason, I'm in my pajamas. Like I'm not even like dressed to go outside. And so here we are going back and forth, back and forth. I'm calling Jacob. Mason's calling Jacob. And I see the kids are playing. I see him down there. He had a red hat on because he wears his hat for the Kansas City mm-hmm. Chiefs. I recognize his hat way down. He's on the very end of the field. Yeah. So we're, he's down there and there, I see him playing, throwing the ball around. I'm thinking, well, maybe practice is a little longer than I thought it was. Maybe it doesn't get over or whatever. But no, what happened was, because Jacob did eventually call me. I said, Jacob, we're waiting for you. Oh, I see your truck over there. I said, yeah, well, get over here. Let's go. And he says, oh, we're just hanging out and playing. So after the practice was done, a lot of the kids get together and they have a little like scrimmage playing in the, in, on the That's field so kind of thing or with the football. And he, he brought his football they're playing with that and stuff like that. So he was excited to play with the other kids of all ages. And in fact, he said he even got into one with one of the kids uh, because they were like talking smack to each other. Like, yeah. like you can't stop me. I can't stop you. I'm going to get you. I'm going to get this pass. I'm going to get this, you know, kind of stuff that you see in the NFL between the players. You know? Yeah. 
Well, it's so good for him. He's starting to get comfortable with being out there, being on the turf, getting familiar with, um, not that that's their coaching staff, but getting familiar with different calls. And so he'd been working with a different coach who was, Coach T was amazing. Uh, one-on-one, and I'd found him as a personal trainer. And then Jacob's best friend joined the training session. So it was the two of them and they had about two and a half months of just that, which I think was really good to build up their confidence and help them really start getting more comfortable with their footwork. And now they're doing this every week, uh, two hours on Sundays. And I feel like it's going to help him so much with, you know, kids at this age as they're, you know, becoming middle school to teenagers, they're growing into their body. Like they go through these growth spurts. And what I noticed is Jacob's feet are getting like pretty big and kids could get so clumsy when they don't know, like when their body grows and they haven't quite grown into it as much that they can be a little bit goofy, a little bit clumsy. And so when you're- Yeah, it's like me, I'm always bumping into things all the time. Right, but when you're thinking about the importance of, being light on your feet with football, kids need to know how to make their body work quickly. And the only way to do that is to get out there and train and have somebody that's experienced take you through these different exercises. And I'm just excited to see how it helps him. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I didn't know though, that there was a local like Pop Warner League. I think they call it the Lakeside. Starts with a V, something like, Vicaros? Vicaros, I think. That's that's her mascot out there. Yeah, I didn't realize that there was an actual like Pop Warner League or I would have suggested putting the kids in it earlier. Yeah, I don't even know how that stuff works. Is it full tackle or is it like... Yeah, the kids had like pads and everything. It was no tackle. Way. Yeah. No way. At what age did they do that? You know? Well, they were little. Like they looked like Mason's age. No way. Yeah. Well, so where I grew up in Kingsburg, Pop Warner, the little kids league starts at like six where no they can start with like like the little bitty football, like little teeny tykes, but they're doing tackle. It's so fun to watch them because the pads and the helmet are like so, so ma- massive on these, all these little kids. Well, you know, they're running around and I wonder if they're like tackling and how it all works and stuff. I guess they are, but. But if you think about it, exposing kids to that from a very young age and getting them to understand the game from that age gives them such an edge when they get up to the high school. Of ranks course, yeah. Because now they understand how plays are run. And I feel like there's so many situations where kids can be at a disadvantage because they didn't have that. I mean, Jacob did have flag football at his middle school, but I didn't even think to look into Pop Warner for him. I did. I didn't know his school actually offered it. So It's I not at the school. It's like the community. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, well, the good news is now he's working on, you know, football stuff and he's really into football. Like football is like all he wants to talk to you about is football asking questions about different teams and different trades and different things. And where do you think this coach should go or this team member should go or this, that, or who, whatever. And I'm like, well, I mean, you know more than I do. He's actually gone beyond my knowledge of the game mm-hmm. <laughs> quite a bit. But what he's also doing with it is, that I appreciate is it's helping him be a lot more focused and disciplined at school. He's also being a lot more aware of what he's eating and he's not been taking in as much junk food. He's been really encouraging the family for us to like cook at home and eat at home. And 
you know, that's not typically the norm for teenagers when he's, you know, encouraging his little brother to consume more fruits and vegetables. And with me, like yesterday, so he's been come, he's been waking up in the morning and making himself uh, breakfast on the weekends almost every morning. And uh, so yesterday I was like, oh, well, what are you cooking? And he was making eggs, which he does, you know, eggs with cheese, which is good source of protein. And then he was cutting up an apple to go with it. And I was like, that's really good that he's starting to get that which I've been working hard with them on incorporating fruits and veggies at every meal. And so it's just becoming a thing naturally, which I think is so great. That is very great. I think having fresh fruit and fresh, fresh, fresh fruit, I can't say that, fresh fruit in the house and having fresh food to cook up is always a positive versus all the fast food nonsense that's available so readily everywhere. Absolutely. And you know, it's one of the things that I've been noticing as we've been eating at home more with our kids is. Uh, how I just, I guess I just looked past this when I was raising Zeke. I didn't have to be as intentional about it, but teaching table manners. Oh, really? Yeah, of course. Because when you grow up, um, especially, I know it's all these families out there, like their dinners are like fast food in front of the television, all separate. I know us growing up, we had these, they call them TV trays. Uh-huh. And they were like these God awful metal contraptions that look like be a weapon. For I them. loved those. They were like weapons from like medieval times. I don't know. They like fold up and they have like a weird pattern on them. And you sit up in front of the TV, TV trays. And we have actually quote unquote TV dinners, which I don't know if they still call them TV dinners yeah, anymore. They, they get, they're like the little hungry man TV dinners. Yeah. Are they called the quote TV dinners? Yeah, some of them are. Now these ones, I thought they were going to came in a metal tray. I think you cooked, cooked them in the oven. They were, they were not. They were not in the uh, microwave like most stuff is these well, days. Well, because we've evolved now. Uh, not everything's in like metal trays as much, but yes, yeah, some people still do them, but you had TV dinners. Yeah, we had those growing up. I remember they had like the uh, applesauce was my favorite. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like my, I liked it with the cinnamon apples. Yes, that's what it was. We get them occasionally, but that was not, I mean, we didn't have very many TV dinners at home, but with our boys, one of the things that I've been trying to do is helping them to be aware of how they're behaving at the dinner table because it's easy when you're around family to just like not give a care and just act however and, you know, not to put our boys on blast, but they definitely are boys at the table and a little bit gross. And so um, recently been working with them on like not slurping and chewing with our mouth closed and not making bathroom noises at the table but gosh, I didn't realize how hard it can be to teach table manners to preteens. Or people that, is, or you think of a person that's been like out of the loop for so long, not say lived in a, in a cave or anything like that, but someone that's been, you know, that comes into society and say they're going on a date with somebody to say a fancy restaurant and they don't even know how to really even act or, or what to do with the forks and all that stuff. So, so what do they do? Exactly. Well, this week on our episode, we're going to talk to an expert in all things etiquette and manners. I had so much fun talking with our guests this week. I know you did too. You're in for a treat. You're going to learn a lot and maybe some things that you didn't know that you could put into practice. We're going to be back with her right after this. Enjoy listening to podcasts and ever wonder, can I make a podcast? But it seems so complicated and good audio production can take time. What if there was a way to create an amazing podcast easily? Well, now there is. Introducing Podcasting Made Easy from Podcasting Audio. 
my production team will handle your entire audio production, allowing you to be the star of your show. This is podcasting made easy. How easy? Well, so easy, you don't even have to press record. Now that's easy. Your listeners are waiting. Let's deliver. Sign up for a free strategy call today at podcasticaudio.com slash easy. And welcome back, everybody. Today, we have another fantastic VIP guest. I'm super excited. She's going to be talking with us about everything manners and etiquette. Welcome to the show, Christy Spencer. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here with you guys today. Thank you, Christy, for showing up today. We appreciate this. We got Christine, we got Christy, we got Chris. Wow, check that out. It's a trifecta. Yes, meant to be. Absolutely. We are very excited to have you on the show today, Christy. But before we jump into it, tell us where in the world you're joining us from today. I live close to Joplin, Missouri. So right in the corner between Kansas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Missouri, right in the middle. That's like Tornado Tornado Alley, right? It most definitely is. Now, we had a tornado scare here this week in San Diego, which is crazy to think about. We got the warning on our phone, tornado warning. We're like, what is this? We actually had to shelter in place. Like I was in the closet under the stairs and Chris was in the bathroom. It was crazy. Yeah, you guys are not used to that. No. Do you all have like basements and like tornado shelters, like the Wizard of Oz and all that stuff? Yeah, we do. Um, we either you have one or your neighbor has one or somebody down the street has one. So um, Joplin, Missouri was um, had a pretty famous tornado um, 11, 10, 11 years ago. And, um, you know, it was it was really, really serious. But, uh, you know, for you guys, you'd had so much happen before that. When you get the alert on your phone, you're like, oh, my gosh, what now? I know. So it's been a crazy weather fiasco out here for a couple of weeks with massive flooding. And then we had the tornado warning. And then I didn't even tell you, Chris, yesterday there was an earthquake in LA. It was little. It was 4.6, not big. Oh, okay. Well, so you live in the Missouri area. Now, is your area that you're residing in referred to as the Ozarks? Well, we're a little bit outside of that. So when you think about Branson, Missouri and a oh, little bit yeah. further south, then that that kind of gets into that area. But we're, we're really close to that. Okay. Well, I was uh, telling you just before we went on to the interview, I lived in Missouri for a year. I went to school there um, in Springfield. And there was a restaurant in Springfield, Missouri that I loved. And I have to find out if you've ever been there. It was called Lambert's. Yes. Okay. Yes. You've been there before? As an etiquette, as an etiquette and a dining etiquette person, it's not, it's not my favorite concept. What's wrong with with it? Well, they throw food at you. Why? (laughs) Because it's fun. (laughs) Is it like, here's your, here's your burrito. They throw it to you. Like, come catch. No, it's rolls. They throw hot dinner rolls at you. Across the Is it room. because they don't have any waitresses? <laughs> no, it's just like they're famous for, they call them the home of throwed rolls. Okay, and well. And then they like come okay. around and like scoop your fried okra onto like paper towel. What's on okra? The table. What's okra? What's oh, oh no. What's okra? <laughs> oh, it's so good. It's so yeah. good. I might even eat it off a of paper towel. <laughs> well, there you probably will be thrown at you. <laughs> I was wondering how you felt about Lambert's because it's definitely a unique experience. Yeah, I just, I just like, I think avoiding things flying through the air when you're eating is just a little bit more my pace, but it, they have a theme and they go with it. And I appreciate them for that. 
Well, yeah, you know, mark your territory. I get it, yeah. I'll never forget, I was walking back from the restroom one time. I got caught in the line of fire. Oh, no. You hit the face of okra? Pegged by a roll. <laughs> a roll. <laughs> there, was, there was actually a lawsuit. A woman <gasps> got burned by, I mean, you know, a flying hot roll. Oh, my and word. And I, I think they still do it. But maybe you have to sign a waiver or something when you when you go in. <laughs> Danger flying food. Yeah. Yes. We're not responsible for injury or death by your roll, <laughs> roll to the face. Yeah. Well, I used to attend the church just across the street from there. And so it would be like an easy enough, like just hop on over to Lambert's. But it's crazy how people line up around the corner for a restaurant where they throw your food at you. Right. Yeah. We, we will sign up for anything. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so living in Missouri and uh, living in the area that you do, you seem like you have gotten this like really great footing around etiquette and manners, but we'd love to find out a little bit more about how you got started in this world. Well, so I, my original position was I was in television news for 20 some years. Was this local news? Local news, local television news. So when the tornado hits Joplin, you know, we're we're real busy with those kinds of oh, things. Oh, I bet, yeah. Even so, here too, yeah. Yeah, so we were, um, so that was my, my background for years and years. You know, this is the same old story. COVID hit. We all looked at our lives and we said, do we really, is this what we really want to do? Is this the legacy that we want to live. And I thought, you know, I think I'm ready for a change. And so I went down this path, took an etiquette training course, and kind of the rest is history. I just decided, you know, as you can make people feel good in the world and you can add kindness and positivity, which really, that's my definition of etiquette, is really taking care of other people. And people are craving that right now. That's so true. Now, before COVID and throughout your career and your upbringing, were you someone who had a lot of modeling around etiquette and manners? Was it something that your parents were very structured around or is it something you found later in life? It was something that I grew up with, which is is really interesting because I, I grew up on a farm and you would not think that that is a place where you would find, you know, you would have a lot of concentration on manners and etiquette, but it did not matter. My parents were, we sit around the table, we all use napkins, we learn how to use our forks and our knives and those kinds of things. And then later, um, as a teenager, my dad got a, a different job from being a farmer and we moved overseas. So then we were in a setting where my dad worked at the embassy. Mm. And so that's a whole different world than when you've got, you know, cows outside. What, uh, what country were you in? I was in Japan. Oh, wow. So yeah. we were in, in Japan, and then we lived in Peru for a little while. And, you know, you're at the ambassador's house having dinner, and you're doing things like that. And so that really did pique my interest, not only because we were really exposed to more formal things, but we were exposed to other cultures. And you just learned how people did things differently. And you were kind of able to look at the way that you did things as well. And you think, oh, you know, the way we do things is the best way. Um, but it's often not, you know, there's there's so many ways that we can do things. So that's really, even as a teenager, what what had me interested in in that kind of thing. So I have to ask Christy, because I see movies like the Princess Diaries and some of these like Hallmark Channel movies where the American girl meets the prince and is like suddenly in the castle. 
And it's almost as if the Americans are viewed as having not great manners. In your experience in living over this overseas, is there a mentality that maybe as Americans were not as cultured and reserved and refined as other individuals? You know, I think that's probably a stereotype and I don't know if we've earned that or not. But what I found is that people were really willing to say, you know, if you're using chopsticks, don't do this with the chopsticks, don't do that. You know, I mean, it wasn't like a teaching, but they really wanted you to feel comfortable in what you were doing. So they didn't want you to feel like you were standing out or you were doing something. It wasn't so much a, you know, follow these rules or, you know, you're going to make a horrible impression and blah, blah, blah. But it was just like really just kind of helpful advice. So you didn't feel self-conscious. So I never really felt that. Um, But again, I also was a teenager. So I probably wasn't as aware as I would be now going in and and kind of looking at things with a little bit more experience. Is that why you think when kids go out to dinner, parents, including ourselves, were always saying, knock it off. Don't play sword fighting with chopsticks. (laughs) You know, things like that. Or don't drum on the the plate with with the chopsticks, stuff like that. Right, right. Yeah, just those those little things. Is it really difficult from your observation nowadays to teach children appropriate table manners with all of the different technology and things competing for their demands? I think it it can be, but also it's one of the simplest things we can do is whether we get to have dinner together or it's another meal together, is just be together, be present. So you step one one and just be together? Be together. And it doesn't have to be at a formal dinner. It can be a picnic on the living room floor. But kids need that validation from their parents, that they are worthy of their time and their attention. And when we are at the table with our cell phones— that is not giving them that impression. And kids are healthier psychologically and physically when they have family dinners. And so you know, this is like my you know rant for the day, but um, have, have dinners with your kids and you'll be surprised how much they will pick up on from you. And so you kind of have to model some of those good manners, you know, using a fork, using a, the spoon, you know, kind of using those the right way, um, having those conversations, trying to keep yourself, you know, from making a, a huge mess or grossing other people out when you eat. But I think that that is so important. And I think that it's so simple. It doesn't have to be complicated and it doesn't need to be technological. There's no setup required, you know, for something just as simple as a meal together. So I really do encourage parents just to slow down, make it easy and have meals together. I love that you're saying this. We've been working. So Chris and I combined between our our families, our blended family, we have three boys that we're raising. They're 19, 14 and 11, almost 12. And we've been working on table manners for the past however long, five years that we've been together. But it is a daily battle of, okay, so at the table, we don't bring our phones out. And even if somebody's calling you, we don't answer. They can wait and we'll get to it later. Uh, we don't secretly have AirPods in our ears so that you know when somebody's talking to us, we're actually not listening. And then uh, last night was a funny little situation. So I made, uh, well, collectively, we made a steak dinner. 
And it was the first time our littlest one was trying to eat asparagus with a fork and a knife. And he just, it was like a bacon wrapped asparagus and he just picked the whole thing up and started eating it. And I said, like a carrot or something. Yeah. And I said, Mason, honey, at the table, we have manners. We have to cut it. And it was like realizing through their little brains, like, well, it's harder to do this. So I'm just going to pick it up and then saying, you know, we need to have manners at the table. And he's battling with, but it's easier. Like, I just want to eat the food. So it's, it's definitely a a real struggle. I didn't realize this with our oldest, uh, because he really wanted to use like a fork and knife, but for kids that may have dexterity issues or it's just kind of awkward learning to cut manners can be, uh, table manners specifically while dining can be a challenge. Yeah, and but it's so great that you guys are putting an emphasis on that. I mean, our kids get so much of their confidence from those kinds of things. That's really what we're teaching them is I want to give you confidence when you go and you're having a meal with somebody or, you know, you're at a business dinner or, you know, it's a little more higher stakes than it is at our dinner at night, but that they have the confidence to know how to do that. And sometimes it's, it. you think, oh, it's being so picky to tell him he can't, you know, he has to use a fork and a knife, but you're doing him such a favor by doing that because better to know, to learn that at home than to go out to a restaurant and alert it the hard way in public. Right. A lot of people, like, I, that was my experience trying to figure out stuff out. Like, I, all these forks and spoons, which ones do I use? <laughs> I just picked the one that looks looks like it'll work for this meal or that meal. I'll just go to town. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, you're saying this about, like, learning at a restaurant, and it reminds me of this incident when I was, I think I was a freshman in college, and I went to, it was a... um was like a banquet for my sorority. I was invited to take a date or like I had to take a date with me and he was sitting next to me and it was a pasta meal. And so I was using my fork to just like twirl my pasta on my plate. And I still had good manners. Like I was doing what my parents taught me. And this guy, my date was appalled that I didn't know how to use like a spoon with my fork to like wrap my pasta. And he's like, what are you doing? Don't you know how to eat pasta properly? I was mortified because I grew up in a house of all girls with a mom that was like very set on us having really good table manners, you know, passing things properly, appropriate dinner conversation, not leaving the table unless you ask, you know, those types of things. So how do we prepare our kids for environments where they're maybe different rules and different manners than what we have at home. Well, first of all, do you have that guy's phone number or email address? (laughs) It was a one-time only date. (laughs) Okay, here's the deal. A, he was incorrect. (laughs) So that is not not the way that you uh, have to eat pasta or really even the most um, sophisticated way to eat pasta. So you, sister, were doing it um, correctly. (gasps) Thank you. I feel validated. There you go, yeah. (laughs) Nice. And it gets to the other point that when I when I'm teaching dining etiquette, which is a hugely popular course because people, you know, kids have anxiety and they sit down, like you say, they look at the forks and they're like, holy cow, what do we, you know, what do I do? So it's really, you know, a, a helpful thing. But the other thing I tell them is I am going to teach you these things for good. You cannot use them for evil. And so the number one rudest thing you can ever do is to point out somebody else's lack of manners. Mm. 
So, and as parents, that's kind of hard for us to model sometimes because that's what we're, you know, we're here to teach you. We're here to kind of point out when you mess up, but then we have to remember maybe we're, when we're in a restaurant setting, we don't do that, you know, because at some point we have to model that for the kids is that, okay, we're going to talk about it later as opposed to in the moment, because I don't want them, especially if you have, you know, some sibling rivalry or something as kids pointing out when somebody else is, is doing something um, incorrectly and that you don't want them to do that to their friends or, you know, another adult either. So I tell people it's for good. You can't use it for evil. And it's never okay to point out somebody's bad manners. So hopefully that makes people a little bit more comfortable in in what they're doing. Yeah. But sometimes some people that were raised without any manners growing up and then they become adults and Mm -hmm. they end up going on their first date, like with Christine here. And then they realize like, you know, they're slurping their spaghetti at the table. (laughs) I don't think she was slurping. I don't think she was slurping. But I'm just saying like if the guy was, for example. Right. So like, yeah. like how embarrassed, like that must make him feel embarrassed. Even if you do not straight up tell him, hey, dude, what are you doing? Like, you know, come on. We have manners here. How would you say it a nice way to them to tell them that? It really depends on the relationship and if they are looking for advice. If it's not, I mean, it is just kind of, you know this in the back of your mind. This is information that you now have about this person. You may not want to date them anymore because you're like, okay, what else do they not know if they don't know that? That's funny you say that, yeah. Yeah, it's really, um, I, I, I think it just depends. So if you had a friend... And you would say, listen, we're going to be the kind of friends where if I'm grossing you out, you're going to tell me, vice versa. If I if I have BO, I'm going to tell you, vice versa. You have that relationship. But if we don't have that relationship with other people, uh, that's not, you know, we got to be concerned with ourselves more than it's like other first, people. It's like first meeting somebody for the first time. Like, you want to be polite when you first meet the person. But even though on the back of your head, you're thinking like, oh, this person stinks. <laughs> <laughs> Like, like, or, or, oh, they're toupees like falling off their f- head, <laughs> but I can't say nothing. I, I just met them. I can't say nothing, you know? Yeah. 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 And so it's just like, I just always think like, okay, this is good information to have good information for me. Um, but I'm not going to point it out to other people. Okay. Christy, we're going to ask you some awkward situation questions and how we could approach them using appropriate manners and etiquette. So are you ready for these? I am, I think. Okay. So first one, hypothetically, you walk up to somebody, maybe you know them, maybe you don't, a female, and she has lipstick all over her teeth. How would you politely inform her without embarrassing her? I would suggest the kind of universal sign that we would, you know, you'd put like you could just kind of point to your tooth. And I think we all kind of either know that that's either broccoli in the tooth or spinach or I've got something on my tooth. And I, you want to think about, would I want to know if it was other way around? Mm. Would I want to know if I had broccoli in my teeth or spinach in my teeth? If your answer to that is yes, then you are sworn now that you will help other people out in that same situation. Or you might say, hey, you might want to take a look in the mirror. Um I just think that that's just the kind thing to do, but I think you don't want to point it out. Or, But if you can just kind of go with a, a signal first, like you got something in your teeth, that's helpful. Okay. okay. That's really helpful. Yeah. I, I, or my approach would be like, whoa, what happened? Did you eat the lipstick? Yeah. That's the what not to do, Chris. Right. Oh, man. <laughs> like, the lipstick tastes good? What? <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, scenario number two. You're in an office environment and you as a female uh, co-worker see one of your male co-workers with their fly down. How do you gently inform them without letting them know you saw the region? Bar doors open. What are you doing? <laughs> I think it's kind of that same philosophy, but man, that one's really tough because you're you're getting into a territory that might not be. Okay, here, I got it. I would go to a male colleague and tell them, hey, could you do Joe a favor and tell him that the barn door's open. But does that kind of draw more attention to the situation versus, now you got three people involved in the situation versus two. I, mm. I, I think when you, it's a male-female thing, mm-hmm. that's where that buffer and extra person might okay. be. And again, it's, you know, if you work with somebody for 20 years, um, it's a little yeah. bit different than, you know, you're, meeting somebody on a job interview for the first time. Right, like say you're meeting the recruiter and they have their (laughs) fly down. Like, what would you do? (laughs) I have have had this situation, honestly. I had somebody come in, they had, uh, their zipper was down and um, for some reason their parent was with them again. Like I say, this is all information that we carry in our our minds. Like if the zipper down wasn't enough of a warning, bringing your parent to the interview should have been. But, you know, thank goodness the parent was there because they told him to zip up their fly. Oh, oh well, at least someone did. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, I'm just thinking like us guys were just like, hey, Joe, look at the, look at Bill over there. <laughs> That's <laughs> hey, you, Bill. Chris. Hey, Bill, hey. <laughs> and if you really want to screw him over, if you work at like, say, at Costco or something like that and you get like on the loudspeaker, <laughs> say, by the way, Bill's got his fly down. <laughs> Or you could do one of those vague company memos, like, you know, just so we're all aware, we should all be checking our zippers before we come back into the bathroom. You know, or you put, the bathroom. you put that note on the bathroom door. It says, before you leave, make sure everything's, clean, everything's zipped up. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I love those, too. Um, Chris, do you have any that you'd like to ask? Oh, I'm trying to think. Um, well, you, you, go, you go first, and you go with another one, and I'll come up with one right now. Okay, so I was thinking about, you You mentioned a scenario and it just triggered something in my mind. What about the person that is constantly, like you're at a meal, whether it's a work meal or they're a family member, constantly slurping their food or chewing with their mouth open and it's grossing you out? How would you encounter that or address that situation or would you? I think you could say something like, boy, it looks like you're enjoying that. Um <laughs> We're we're all. Can I take a photo of you to, to post that? it because it's so, it looks so wonderful. <laughs> yeah, but again, I think not doing it in the moment is important. And just okay. you know, when you are grossing somebody out, I think if you again, it's a family member or something like that, you can say, you know, I don't know if you realize that you're doing that, but if it was happening to me or I was doing it, I would want to know. And so kind of approaching it that way is like, I know that this might be uncomfortable and I'm, I'm not meaning to make you feel like this, um, but if it was me, I would want to know. Mm, Christy, good. I have one for you. It's probably like the ultimate, like it's kind of, it irritates me to death. Speaking of wanting to know and especially wanting to know what you're doing with everybody else around you, I'm talking about being on your cell phone on speakerphone in public. <sighs> Absolutely. I cannot think a scenario where I need to have my speakerphone on in public. And I think that this this is an epidemic mm-hmm. in, in, around us. It happens at doctor's offices where I'm listening to either somebody's conversation. I was at a 
eyebrow studio and somebody, you know, pulls up a, a like a, a video and it has cuss words in it. And so we're all now having in this small room to listen to this one person's phone. And it's just irritating and it's so rude. And I just can't think of any, any realm where I need to hear somebody speakerphone. True. Yeah, yeah, because you so, easily put yeah. things your you easily can put it to your ear. Now I can understand maybe if you're watching a YouTube video or, or some kind of video where you may not have the capabilities to watch the device and listen to it at the same time because the device is in your hand now. So with a phone call, you can put the thing to your ear and chat right. away, and we we don't have to hear it. But a YouTube video, I'm not watching those in public. That's true. I mean, who does that? Other my kids do that all the time. Other than that, right. I, no, I, I do. I see it all the time. And, you know, a lot of people who are irritated by that, they're sitting by somebody in a restaurant. Then the question is, are you, is it okay to tell somebody? Like, you know, could you please turn off your cell phone? Well, how do you do I that? Think in, I think in that case, it's best to have somebody with the restaurant say, sir, you know, we have a policy where we don't have speaker phones on or if that's the case. Or you could just say, I just, you know, you're, you're bothering people. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. please take your phone off speaker. Yes. Just a very, if the more, uh, the the way you can say it without as much emotion is just, please take your phone off speaker and then see where it goes. And, you know, I mean, people are crazy. They mm-hmm. may, they may not appreciate that at all, but I don't think that you're out of bounds for making that request in public. So following up on uh, things in public that are awkward, Recent situation, so I, um, and this was a very real scenario just a few days ago, I was meeting with one of my team members that reports to me, having a one-on-one, we met at a coffee shop, and there was these two young, late high school, early college girls that sat down in this small little two-top right next to us, and for half of the conversation, one of the girls, like, was completely staring at my team member, absorbing, like completely eavesdropping every part of our conversation, like staring hardcore. Everything in me wanted to say something to her and I didn't. But in that kind of a situation where they're so obviously butting in and becoming a third party to the conversation, how would you gently say, mind your own business? You know, the problem with that is we're in public. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that if it's that, you know, a conversation, I, don't, I mean, no no offense, but maybe that was better for yeah. a closed door office. I would have said the same thing too. But, yeah, it was, it was just- But again, a, it's, it's rude. And right. I think you can kind of give somebody a look like, you know, making that eye contact, hip check. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, und- we can see what you're doing here, but I don't think that there's- you know, any, any way to keep them from doing that, unfortunately. Okay. Right. I'm well, glad I didn't then. Well, what if it went extreme where the girl decided to like pull her phone out and just from like, even from five feet away, just videoing you in your conversation? So that, that would never happen. I don't know. Does it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, you know, I mean, I'm, you're half afraid to get on an airplane because, right. you know, I mean, things are so volatile and there's so many reasons why. But then you're thinking, too, is like, I don't want to be on CNN viral video tomorrow either. Right. Um, so I, I I think that is a, a real concern. But I think I would just move out of the way, you know, mm. just like there's got to be somewhere else to go than 
in the range of this psychopathic coffee shop person. Right. Well, and, and I think I was kind of wonder, um, Christy, with everybody having a video mobile recording studio in their pocket at all times, 24 seven, does it make more, make better etiquette out there in the public wild, or is it kind of make it more crazier? People just do more extravagant things. I, I mean, I would think it would kind of curb it a little bit because you're like, Oh my gosh, I'm being videotaped right now. And it's going to go social. If I act like a crazy person doing this thing. I think you are a rational person and that's what rational people would think. But I don't think, I don't think that that has proven true. I think once those phones come out, people start, playing up to the camera and oh. acting worse than they might otherwise i i can't explain it any any other way really? that it it does seem like people that attention is what they're after and that if you just act like a normal human being you're not going to get the attention you have to do something outlandish and the consequences for our bad behavior are pretty low you know i mean for you know, when you see restaurant videos of people out of control or again on airplanes and things like that, you know, there's some public embarrassment and things like that. But more than that, you're famous now. Right. You know, and it's that that chance to to go viral and be famous um, that really prompts people just to lose their minds when the phone comes out. It's really true. And speaking of restaurant etiquette, I wanted to transition just a little bit here because one of the things that I've been noticing on social media are these young women who are very covertly videoing behaviors of their dates when they're out in public. And there was a really viral video that came out just like two weeks ago where this young woman is very covertly videoing the fact that the young man that she's out with didn't realize how expensive dinner was going to be. And he's trying to figure out a way to pay for it and very respectfully. And she's there, you know, filming the whole thing. Of course, you don't see the young man, but she's like shaking her head. And then you see her captions over it. Like, I'm not going to be paying for this. She didn't say that, but it's like her thinking out loud. And he's offering like, you know, I have half of it right now. I can stay. I can wash the dishes. I'm so sorry. I didn't realize it was going to be this expensive. So dating etiquette in the year of 2024, who pays? Oh. <laughs> it, my rule of thumb is whoever invited pays. That's a and old fashioned, that's, that's, just, that's a golden rule, I think. Well, but it doesn't matter. There is not one certain person who should be doing the inviting. So anyone is up to invite anyone out for something. So it doesn't always have to be, you know, a gender role there. But I think it's nice to be treated. And it feels much less nice when somebody asks you to do something and then asks you to pay for half. So it should be reciprocated, not only the paying, but the inviting as well. And um, I have a 17-year-old a and who's going to kill me. Um, <laughs> it is you know, started dating. And I think that they are really pretty savvy about somebody buys dinner and then somebody buys dessert right. and really kind of keeping it even. And I think they're, I think that's nice. I think that that it's, that's just the way that we, if we're going to evolve, that's a, a great way to evolve. But I would say if you do the inviting, then you do the paying, but make sure that it's not always one-sided. But on that same note, would you say if you were the girl and you got invited to a restaurant 
And just say it's a, even just a first date, right? First, second date. Maybe you know them, but not like, you know, know them as well. And you take them out to a decent restaurant and you're there, you're, you're casually, you know, thinking the, the bill is going to be a certain price and the girl is going to, you just assume the girl is going to order something simple. And the girl just goes nuts and just orders like surf and turf and like the, all these great. That's just rude. You know, crazy desserts. And it's just, oh, just overboard on the bill. And you're just being nice. You're just a guy. You're sitting there like, ah, uh-huh, I guess. Ah, uh-huh. and then you see the bill and like Christine's example, you're like, well, oh my gosh, I'm going to pay for this. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, what do you do in that situation? Well, I think you just run. Um, <laughs> okay. Die to death. <laughs> or run away from the girl. I'm going to go to the bathroom. Right, yeah. quick, I'll be right back. And then yeah. take off. I think that, you know, at some point you go, uh, that's just not what I was expecting. Yeah. You know, let's let's back this up a little bit here. Or, I, you know, I, I assume that since you're ordering that, that we're, you know, going to pay, each pay our own bill. But I think at that point in time, you're not interested in having any relationship with this person if they're doing it. So the stakes are pretty low for your reaction, except for, you know, you don't want to, you know, be as nice as you can. But I think by telling them like, hey, I'm, I'm not paying for this, you're not ruining anything. You aren't going to date them again anyway. Or yeah. is it possible? I didn't even think of this one too. Is it possible to say like right on the, I don't know how you do this, like right on the bill, like just to figure out the half amount and, and, and just put that in the credit card slot. So I'm only paying this half and say, what's the other half? And you say, her. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. So I think it is a little bit tougher nowadays to have um, servers split the bill. I know in certain cities, they're really hesitant to do that. So they're just thinking everyone pays their half or, or that kind of thing. So, I mean, if they do offer to say, oh, how do, you know, if they come up and say one check and you go, no, we'll take two. Or could you um, tell the server ahead of time, like slightly, you'll say, okay, say you're worth a date and you oh guys want to pull, pull this off. <laughs> coming, coming up here on Valentine's Day, guys, <laughs> listen up. So here's what you do. You go to the server, you want to pull them aside. Hey, dude, hey, uh, separate checks, all right? Okay, whatever she gets, put on one bill. Whatever I get, put on put on the bill, and make sure that my bill is less. You are so you lucky do. you're right. married already. So, yeah. So again, you're talking about a first date because there's not going to be a second one if you do that. <laughs> right. 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 Well, you know. <laughs> well, you know. So it's interesting. We're talking about this though because Chris and I. So we have been married for. Uh, Three and a half years now, honey, I lost track. Three and a half years. For a hundred years, Yes, babe. a million years. Uh, but it wasn't that long ago that we were dating. So we were just tracking this back. We've been together for about five and a half. I, I remember first date, it was very nice, low stakes. We went out for a couple of drinks and um, I was waiting for him to, like when they brought the check because I felt like he invited and um, he didn't hesitate. It was great. So a couple of dates later, well, maybe it was like two months later, he invites my son and I to go to a Universal Studios. Oh, you're going to bring this up. No, I'm, no, I just want to ask like what the right etiquette would have been. Um, he invites my son and I to go to Universal Studios. Now, mind you, tickets are about $100 a person. He invited. I made an assumption because I hadn't been in the dating pool for you know 15 years. I was like, I'm guessing he's going to buy the tickets. And then he said, well, I went and I got my tickets for me and the boys. Do you just want to get yours when you get there? I was so confused. How could we have navigated that a little bit in a cleaner manner? Because I didn't mind paying, but what would you suggest in those kinds of situations where it is going to be pricier? 
I think when you start early and maybe instead of phrasing it as more of an invitation, be like, would you like to plan this together? And then that maybe sets the groundwork that it's a little bit more, because like you said, you didn't mind doing it. It was just kind of the uncomfortable unknowing of what what was the expectation. So I think maybe just a little reword there, like, hey, how, would you like to plan this together? And, or let's talk about budgeting, mm-hmm. you know, just send it, some of those kinds of things to get it out in the open. So we don't each go into having some expectations, but that's a flex move too. What a great beginning dating idea to uh, get everybody together and do something really fun. And it really was, but I will say, even though he did ask me that question, it kind of caught me, it caught me off guard because I had been in a situation where it was, you know, a lot of times the guy was paying like in my previous marriage, but it was my money. Like it was, you know, joint money. So it was, it was really, you know, we were both paying. It was just the gesture. However, what I did appreciate was I felt like that was a pivotal moment for us in our dating where we did start to talk about what can be an awkward conversation, which is money. So before we went on the trip, I said, okay, so let's figure this out so that we feel like we're equally contributing. How do we want to divide up gas? Are we going to all pay for our own meals just because I want to budget appropriately? And it made for no awkwardness when we went where we were covering our own kids, but then, you know, we'd buy little tokens for each other and, you know, splurge a little bit here and there for the kids as we wanted to. But I think that clarity is kindness when it really comes to situations like this socially. And I feel that so many couples avoid talking about it. And when they operate on assumptions, that's where things can get really messy. Yeah, absolutely. Because a lot of times when we're making those assumptions, um, we don't assume the best intentions and we don't assume people are going to pay their way and we don't assume a lot of those things. So that's a that's a really big danger thing is when we get into that assuming. Well, well yeah. And well, I think coming to like a big trip like that, he says, hey, you want to go to Hawaii with me, whatever? And you're like, okay, great. And you, I mean, first thing I would think is who's paying? You know, mm-hmm. like, like, I mean, I just wouldn't assume, I, I don't know, maybe... I was kind of, I look at it from like, I mean, not saying you're a bro or a buddy, but I'm saying like, if I were to ask a buddy to go, hey, you want to go to Disneyland this weekend? I would assume, I would not assume that I would be paying. I don't think he would assume I would be paying either, but maybe because we were dating, it was a different situation. But I kind of thought that as I approached it in that situation, maybe like that, that thinking. No bad intent. I think that's good. I think that's healthy. And then you, like you said, you set the groundwork for those conversations down the road that made them a lot easier. Like, let's get this awkward stuff out of the way. Absolutely. It's just very interesting, this current dating culture about how so many norms that were considered traditions, um, this whole like men pay for everything, they open the door for women. I'm not saying that that's like days are, those days are gone, but it seems like there's a little bit of a tide turning around how we operate still like with equity, what's the word I'm looking for? Equitably in the relationship. So it's not one person paying all the time while still being classy. So how do couples find that balance? I I think it is that communication. Um, And when you talk about the doors opening for people, can I tell a quick story? Yes, please. Okay. So I was um, headed into a restaurant and 
there was a gentleman who was coming out of the restaurant. I was going into the restaurant and we were kind of at that awkward stage. Like I was at the door and he was maybe six steps from the door. So it's kind of like, do you hold it? Do you not? Whatever. And so I held the door open for him and let him go first. And he turned at me and he yelled at me and he said, that's not the way it works. What do you mean? Like that I were to open the door for him. And I thought, man, this is why people don't try. But like, wait, you the, held it for him or he yeah, held it for you? He, he was further away than I was. And so he was, we were going opposite directions. And so as I was, I just held the door so he could leave. And he looked at me, he said, that's not the way it works. And so I thought, buddy, you are missing on all accounts here. Like the whole idea was for us to have a, a polite interaction. And since I was at the door first, I thought I'd open it for you. That makes total but then, sense. But then, um, you know, for him to turn to me and go, that's not the way it works. I thought that's the opposite of polite, like, right. you know, and it's really easy sometimes for us to let that. So we open the door, somebody doesn't say thank you, or we let somebody in front of us in um, our lane or something when we're zipper merging and, and when it acknowledges it, then we're kind of set for the rest of the day. We're like, well, I'm not going to open the door for anybody else. And no one's going to get in line and front of me. And that's when my intent was to do something polite for somebody else. Mm. And regardless of that person's reaction, I have to let that intent stay. Got it. So regardless of his reaction or or his to me, like I just got to keep that kind act out there and not let that bum me out to try and do it for somebody else. So um, that's just a little aside story I had about the opening doors for people because um, we do kind of sometimes let those norms and the things that we were taught get in the way of just normal being a nice person. And who does what? And so I think when it comes to dating, that's such a good thing to to keep in mind is don't worry about those outdated rules and the three-day rule and the guy pays and the guy asks and all those kinds of things. Embrace that things are a little bit more informal and make it work for you. I love that. Nice. Speaking of doors, I always open doors for ladies all the time. <laughs> well, everybody. And they should be doing very, the same thing for you. Yep. You do a very nice job, as you remember. I mean, there's times when we're rushing around with kids, but you do make a really nice effort to open doors. I do appreciate it. Well, I do it at work a lot too, because I'm always going in and out of the stores all the time. And I always will hold the door for somebody, even if they're like, six feet away, seven feet away, I'll hold mm-hmm. the form. Now, there's a point where they're like halfway across the parking lot right. and I'm like, I'm the whole door for them, you know? <laughs> that, that is the awkward stage. You're like, oh, uh, do I, am I going to look rude if I shut the door in their face or is this awkward that I'm holding it for so long? So what I um, do is I kind of walk through it and like just look away from the person so they don't even know what, like, <laughs> so they say, hold the door for, oh, I do you know you're from there. I'm sorry, I didn't even see you. Look straight through them. Oh my goodness. Well, this has been super informative so far, Christy, but I would love to pick your brain about another area of your expertise, which is related to wedding etiquette. Ooh, I, I know somebody in that business. I know. I was a little snoop and I went onto your website and I saw the treasure trove of resources that you have. And, you know, what I'd like to say is we went through this time right after COVID where there was a huge wedding boom. And we've been in this little bit of a wedding gap, but when we look at the data for what's on trend for the wedding scene over the next two years, we're getting ready to have an engagement boom and it's anticipated that we're going to have some of the largest numbers of weddings from the end of 2024 through 2026. So with that being said, 
whenever it comes to weddings and wedding planning, there are so many different traditions and cultural components and religious components and financial components to navigate through. How did you become an expert in wedding etiquette? Well, I have always been interested in weddings and planned my own wedding. It was 20 years ago last week when we uh, first got married. Um, But I love to stay up with the trends. And my philosophy is I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not going to tell you that the bride should pay for this part and the groom pays for that part. I'm going to bring up the whole picture. And actually, I think that the whole budgeting and that um, calibration is completely off. I mean, we have got to change this. <laughs> it is, it is, you know, it is, that is a very antiquated thing to look at. It's like the bride pays for everything and the groom, you know, barely pays for anything. Mm-hmm. But let's look at the tradition and see how people divided it and then decide, do we want to do that or do we not want to do that? Think, do we want to have a big cake cutting thing or do we want to just cut the cake normal and, and be low key? So I really like to present people with all the options and I'm a complete nerd. So I will, you know, take those deep dives and find out, you know, what are the ins and outs of seating arrangements? Do you even need one? And if you don't want one, for goodness sakes, don't do one. Mm-hmm. But all of those kinds of things about really elevating your day. And um, even if it's going to be very simple and casual, there's still a lot of etiquette that goes into that to make sure that you have a good day and that your guests are prepared and also enjoy themselves. That's a really good point. So one of the things that I'd love to pick your brain about, because it's something that I encounter with brides is, How can they effectively incorporate their future mother-in-law into wedding planning while still telling them to stay in their lane? Wow. You, I I think that you're um, perhaps spying on me because I just had this conversation this morning (laughs) with somebody. Same same exact thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's because it's so common, you know? And I think that, I think again, it's that communication. So you could say to them, I'd love to include you in this part and kind of list the the highlights. Maybe you want to keep your going to find your dress with your mom and your best friend. Mm-hmm. That's how you've envisioned it. But then, so don't lead with that. Like, I don't want you to come to this part, but say, I'd like for you and I to go to this appointment together and to do these things together. So I think kind of framing it positively is is one of those keys. But you really do have to remember that you're setting up this relationship for hopefully years and decades to come. And it is not about staking your claim and making it all about you. You have to think bigger picture. How is this going to work for our relationship down the road? So I think there is a little bit of give and take. I do not think that that means that you have to do whatever your parents say, even if they are paying for the wedding. But there are ways that we can learn how to put our view out there and really, you know, kind of defend that position and say, well, this is this is what we've decided. Or, you know, any kind of language like that. Start early and let people know. But there are ways that you can say things that let people know, like, we've made that decision. I think that's really helpful because I have noticed that 
it's when people make assumptions because a couple hasn't been clear that some of these conflicts come into play. There are always those outlier situations where you have, you know, like two conflicting religious uh, backgrounds or cultural backgrounds that are difficult for the couple to navigate and figuring out how to incorporate them. But really what I see when I see hurt feelings coming about, it is because, you know, somebody wasn't invited to be part of something and it feels like they were left out instead of being informed like, hey, I'd love for you, like you said, I'd love for you to be part of X, Y, and Z and getting excited about those elements. I also ask selfishly because as a mom and a bonus mom of boys only. And as a wedding planner, I like to put myself in that position of how will I feel when it's my time to be the mother of the groom or the stepmother of the groom? And I don't get to be part of so many of those pieces. Like, am I going to have my feelings hurt? How would I want to be talked to? Yeah, I think that, I mean, and that is really that empathy that people bring into the situation is, you know, thinking of yourself in the other person's shoes. How how would you react? Um, and I think that sometimes we we get a little bit too wrapped up in that day, that moment, and our role in it, as opposed to thinking of the bigger picture again, this is their day. It should be exactly what they wanted. And any parent who is willing to do, you know, the time and the money and the energy into helping somebody, that's really why they should be doing it is to help the couple have the best day that they possibly can. And while it, it, you know, we have different ideas generationally, and like you said, you know, different customs, different religions, different traditions, somehow we got to figure those out and find some middle ground. Christy, I got a big question about weddings. Uh, how do you, as a wedding planner, deal with a bridezilla? Well, um, I'm just here for the etiquette part of it. So, <laughs> That's a um, nice escape right there. Yeah. Well, it, uh, we talked about your seating arrangements, dear. Um, we've, we've got that covered. I think that you're going to have that because the stakes are so high on this day. And I think that, you know, I think a lot of couples even thinking that this is my wedding month, this is my wedding week. Wedding year. Um, no, you, you, you get a couple hours is what you get. Um, I think that it, it can be a very, very self-centered thing. And I think social media has probably ramped that up in degrees. Um, but you really, you know, you kind of go with it as far as you can. You just know that this too shall pass um, until you got to put your foot down and say, listen, you are really being difficult to deal with. But I think we were pro- there were so many of us who were in that same situation. We just have to think back and we're trying to live up to our own expectations and other people's expectations. And that's hard. Well, how do, how do you be nice about it? Like how, what kind of etiquette, etiquette can you use towards that bride to kind of, you know, tell them to calm down? <laughs> I think, isn't there something about telling a woman to calm down? That makes that it worse. It's, 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 never it's, a, it's the best thing to say, fellas. If, you can, if your wife's mad, just say, calm down, take a chill pill. As you can right, tell, yeah. Christy, my husband is still learning. <laughs> yes. I think, I, you know what? Excuse yourself. Change the subject. Right. Um, you know, say, I so sorry, I have another appointment or I have to go do something. And hopefully this will just kind of, you know, simmer down in its own time and they'll, but it's that perspective 
is almost impossible for a bride to have Mm -hmm. because everything is so important and it's all at once and you have to have it within the certain amount of hours. So a couple of wedding related questions that I would love for you to weigh in on etiquette wise that have come up with couples that I've been encountering Uh, when they receive wedding gifts before the wedding, two questions, can they open them early? And if so, are they expected to send the thank you card before the wedding has actually occurred? You, you can do either of those things. I think if you wait to open them, you know, sometimes that's practical, sometimes that's not practical. But what I would encourage people to do is you can open it, but do not use it until you sent the thank you card. Very nice. So you that's, that's your trade-off. So even if it's money before you deposit it or before you use it, you have to send the thank you card. Same with a gift. So if, you know, it really is helpful if people do send those wedding gifts ahead of time because who wants to haul, you know, gifts along with everything else from the reception to, to wherever. But um, I, think, I think for me, I would say send the, the thank you after because it's hard to say thank you for a wedding gift and people are thinking, well, that wedding hasn't happened yet. So I think sending them after is a good thing, but you can open it, but you can't use it until you've sent the thank you. So I think that's great guidance. I think the gray area where some of my couples have been falling into is when they have a wedding website with a honeymoon fund and those funds are instantly deposited. Of course, they're still not using it, but they see it there. And recently I had a bride reach out to me because one of their guests um, said, you know, I was expecting to receive a thank you card already. I didn't know if you got the gift. And the bride was like, thank you so much. We did receive the gift. We're just waiting to send everything until after the wedding. And that guest was like miffed. And I thought, oh my goodness, am I giving bad guidance as a planner I would have never thought that they needed to send it because they aren't using the funds. They're still sitting there. And so I don't know if that was an anomaly, but, you know, it just made me wonder, is that still holding true? And I give that guidance of if you've already used it, the thank you card should be out there. But if you're just holding off, then do it right after. Yeah, I think you can always write the thank you and then send them all at one time after the wedding. But no, traditionally, we're, we're going to send that thank you after the wedding has happened. And I, you know, people have about three months to hopefully get those thank you notes in the mail. And it's very difficult for people. And I, I, it is not uncommon for people not to send thank you notes. And that is just an unacceptable <laughs> a deviation from etiquette for me. If something if somebody has taken the time to do anything, even if it's click on something on your registry and send it to you or give you money for your honeymoon, that deserves a handwritten thank you note in a pretty timely manner. Mm-hmm. So Christy, did you hear the story that happened maybe a few years ago where the couple had one of those honeymoon funds and they collected all this cash to go to some great destination. I don't forget where it was. It could be Hawaii, who knows where. But anyways, the moral of the story is this, is that the wedding did not happen, but they took the money and went on vacation anyways. What do you do if you donated to, like, how do you be, you know, polite, politely say, what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) 
I think once you give a gift, there's no way that you have any impact on the gift or you you can't designate where it goes. So if, once you give a gift, it's gone. But then you know what? When those, if they decide to get married later down the road or, or to other people, they've already had their gift. Mm-hmm. And so you don't, you don't send another one. Oh, so, so you're saying if they like said, have the wedding, okay, now here's the real wedding this year. So please, <laughs> please send it. We're go- now we're going to go to Europe. So please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to, you know, send them a, a, a fake gift for the second fake wedding in that, in that way. But no, I think that that's, that's in poor taste. If you, I think if, if you can return wedding gifts, you should, but uh, you know, I, I don't know what, what would the policy, uh, Christina, you would probably know better. What would the policy be? Can you refund if people send you money? You can, because yeah. you get a note of who sent you what minus the fees. And what I would say, I mean, it's in poor taste to keep it if you haven't gone through with the wedding because it was for a specific, a specific milestone event. Like I would say as the planner, you, you should be refunding or returning the gift or, you know, reaching out to each person and saying, you know, the wedding's not going to happen. We'd like to return the gift. And if that person then says, oh no, please keep it. That's a different story. Right. Yeah. But you know, it is one of those things where it is rude if the event doesn't occur for you to hold on to that. But I don't know if that translates to birthday parties and things like that. I just know well, you always have a, Your birthday is always going to be there. You're always going to have a birthday. This is true. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess if it's, you know, the very unlikely and unfortunate event that you don't make it to your birthday, but um, that's that's a whole other big problem that you have. Right. It's very interesting. Okay. So a couple of other questions that I have related to weddings uh, that have been in the media. I just saw this news story this morning. It was a um, a best man who was not allowed to invite his new girlfriend because of the limited number of plus ones for weddings. So how do you kindly say you can't bring your new girlfriend? You know, I tell people when you make that invitation, then you indicate if it's a plus one or exactly who's invited. That might be kids' names on the inner envelope or anything like that. But I think you can explain that this is a, a new relationship. We already had our wedding, you know, planned and paid for, and it's a significant cost to add somebody new. If you can accommodate it, I would, just to keep things, you know, an, a nicer day for everyone. But I think that you can just have like an open and honest and polite conversation with somebody and say, we just weren't planning on this expense. It's a it's a new thing and we weren't able to accommodate it. And we hope you understand. Well, wouldn't there normally be like, say, Christy might know that sometimes people don't make it to the wedding, but they have extra plates or extra things. Isn't it usually pretty okay to add just one other person? That's kind of like a pity invite. I think that that sends the wrong message. No, not a pity. I'm saying like if the dude or whoever is like, hey, I'd bring my new girlfriend, but she wasn't on the on the list because we've already had these plates filled out. But uh, Aunt Susie's not making it, so we're good now. You can come on in. <laughs> if we have a cancellation, we'll let yeah. you know. But you're on the, R- the RSAP list, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think that um, it just kind of depends on that timeline. You know, I mean, if he, if it's a brand new relationship, you've sent out the, you know, it's it's too soon, then I think he has to be pretty understanding that it just won't be possible. But yes, there will be somebody who doesn't show up. 
as yeah. well. But it would be hard to, especially if you're not, if, as a rule, you're not le- allowing plus ones to change that for one and not have hurt feelings for other people you didn't change it for. Very true. Well, this has been very informative, Christy. Chris and I have one more question. Maybe it's a couple that are related, but just in general, because we were talking about this as we were prepping for this interview today and we were looking through your resources and we were just looking through your Instagram and reading all of your different tips. Bottom line, how do you stay polite when you just don't want to be? Oh, I don't, oh, I think that we want to be, actually. I think that we are, we want to have good interactions. Nobody wakes up in the morning and thinks like, how can I really screw up somebody else's day? I don't know. <laughs> you know, I know. We, <laughs> some people, it seems like that's what they do. There, there are some trolls out there for sure. But I think in general, we are good people. And that's just my, you know, I prefer to believe that just to keep my life a, a little bit happier. But I think that when you don't want to, if you don't feel like you're being as polite as you can be, say as little as possible. So if if you don't feel like being polite, then just be quiet. Bite your tongue. Yes. Even yeah. if you have to bite through it. <laughs> yeah. <Wow. laughs> yeah. That'll really put you in a bad mood. Yeah. Well, Christy, we've appreciated all of this candor so much. And it's always intriguing when we get to talk about things like etiquette and manners because this world is ever evolving and what is polite seems to be, you know, I would say shifting slightly when it comes to interactions and things like that. But overall, what it sounds like is the golden rule still applies in treating others as you'd want to be treated. It just kind of trumps it all. Would that be accurate? Yes, it's the golden rule. And then it's the platinum rule, which is also treating people the way that they want to be treated. So each of us are different and each of us ticks a little bit differently. And it takes some effort to know how we can show care and respect and consideration to other people. But once we figure that out, we really can create some meaningful, connected relationships. I love that so much. Well, Christy, where can our listeners find out more about you and your services and read your blogs and check out all of your great resources? So I am thepolitecompany.com. So it's just thepolitecompanyspelledout.com. And that's where you'll find all of my resources and able to connect with me on social media as well. Nice. I'll put a link to that in the show notes of this episode. Well, this has been absolutely delightful, Christy. We've enjoyed having you here, having some fun, and we appreciate you so much in what you're doing for the the world, helping us have a bit more manners and a lot more etiquette in lots of different environments. And so thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you guys. Are you in the middle of wedding planning and feeling overwhelmed? There's no need to fret, my friend. Christine Smith Designs is here to rescue you. Offering wedding planning, coordination, and wedding floral design services, let us help relieve your stress and make your wedding day dreams a reality. Visit us at christinesmithdesigns.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-E smithdesigns.com and request a free consultation. You'll be so glad you did. Well, talking with Christy was just so much fun. I really enjoyed chatting with her. Oh, yeah, most definitely, for sure. Yeah, she just announced this week uh, her new 
uh, wedding etiquette course that she was talking about. I saw it on Instagram. And so it's available like wedding etiquette coaching for couples. I think it's so needed because it's something that so many brides are trying to navigate right now. And I just feel like there's such a need for it in the industry. I'm very excited to help her promote that on my Instagram as well. Oh, fantastic. You're working the deals. Yep, absolutely. Well, Chris, what else is coming up with the Chris and Christine show? Well, we do have another fantastic guest coming up next week. Absolutely. Talking about for love, speaking of being in the month of love, Mm -hmm. you know, all things love and dating related. Absolutely. And didn't there happen to be a new development on YouTube for us? Oh, that's right. Yeah. Our our entire Chris and Christine show is on YouTube. Our YouTube channel is at the Chris and Christine show at YouTube. Well, they'll, I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but okay. I'm trying to figure out the details here, but our entire back catalog of all our episodes are available on YouTube live right now. And this one too. I mean, you might be listening to it on YouTube right now. Now well, there you it go. is not a video based podcast, so it's still going to be audio only with our artwork. Correct. That's right. YouTube did this cool new thing for all podcasters that are just audio based only. It's called the RSS integration into YouTube. Basically YouTube saying, Hey, you can put all your podcasting stuff right onto YouTube. We'll suck it into our little platform because YouTube really is a major like destination for even people who like to push play on a podcast, even if it's a video thing and just mm-hmm. listen to it, like put it on the table, like listen to it while they're doing stuff. YouTube's massive for that. So why yeah. not put the show there too? That's amazing. Well, I'm excited to be able to pop on over to our channel and check out all of those back episodes Thank you so much for putting all of the work in to migrate it over there. But you can also check us out on any of our podcast players and you can find links for that through our website, which is chrisandchristineshow.com. And no matter where you listen, whether it's on YouTube or it's on Apple, it's on Spotify or Joe Blow's House of Podcasts, wherever you're using, don't forget to hit subscribe or follow. Absolutely. And we always love those five-star reviews. So make sure to hop on over and leave us a review for our podcast. Share this episode with somebody that you think will get a lot out of it. Make sure to check us out on our website and then just stay tuned with us because we've got another great episode coming up next week. Right, Chris? Absolutely. Well, thanks so much for listening and we'll be back with you next next week. week.